Articles of Faith is a weekly interview show featuring scholars and writers who have written about the doctrines and teachings of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Articles of Faith is a production of Fair Mormon and is hosted by Nick Galetti. Craig L. Foster is our guest on this episode. Prior to graduating from BYU, Craig L. Foster served as a missionary in Belgium and France. Craig Foster earned a bachelor's degree in history and has two master's degrees, one in history with an emphasis in British history and a master's degree in library and information science, both received from BYU. He's also an accredited genealogist and works as a research consultant at the Family History Library in Salt Lake City. He has published books and articles on various aspects of Mormon history. Some of his writings on Mormon history discuss the history and theology of plural marriage within the context of Mormonism. Craig is also on the editorial board of the John Whitmer Historical Association Journal. Craig is the author of the article, Separated but Not Divorced, the LDS Church's Uncomfortable Relationship with Its Polygamous Past, found in the Interpreter, Journal of Mormon Scripture. Welcome, Craig Foster. Thank you. Nice Thanks for to be coming here. in. So when it comes to your formal education, you seem to be perfectly qualified to be working in and running a genealogical library. Was, well, that, was that the goal? Uh, well, uh, that's a good question. Not really. Okay. Um, I, uh, the goal was to study history and write about history, but I've always had an interest in family history and genealogy and and it just worked out that I was able to get a job at the Family History Library, and uh, I have enjoyed it very much, continue to enjoy it. I, uh, I work as a research specialist on the British floor, helping people uh, look for their British ancestors, so I enjoy it very much. No, oh, I guess you'd have to, right? Yes. You do that every day. So uh, I was looking on the internet and I found your Mormon scholars testify entry. um, And that states that you study LDS church history, that, uh, that it has not injured your faith, but in fact, it has strengthened it. With so many people discovering events in church history and coming to different conclusions, uh, perhaps less faithful conclusions, if that's the way we want to say it, what is it that's brought you to your conclusion? How is it that you've come out, I guess, on the other end of that tunnel? Well, I have approached history, in, including, and I guess you could say especially, LDS history, with the idea that, that everyone is human, including our prophets, and so they make mistakes. As for me, studying Joseph Smith's life, I have seen where he made mistakes, and sometimes they were big mistakes. And we certainly see examples where God chastised Joseph Smith more than once through through the Doctrine and Covenants. But for me, just studying his life and his actions, it helped me gain a better appreciation, and it helped my testimony to grow because I saw how here was a man, uh, not perfect, far from it at times, and that God took him and worked with him and used him as a prophet. And uh, quite frankly, uh, if I look at what Joseph Smith went through, is he, if he was a charlatan, he would have run off long before he ended <laughs> up in Carthage. Uh, if he was just there for the 
for the fame and the glory and the and the money and uh, as some people say the women uh, okay you know you, you you get a certain amount of that and then you say i better get out of here but when joseph smith had the opportunity to flee he returned and for me that just uh, already I already had a strong testimony of the gospel, but looking at that, that just reconfirmed for me uh, that um, he certainly wasn't a charlatan. And then there have been other aspects of Mormon history where studying it in depth has uh, helped me gain a stronger appreciation and uh, for for what they went through and for the rest of the restored gospel and ultimately has uh, helped strengthen my testimony. Well, you, you have written on the subject of polygamy. Uh, why? Why of all the things you can study, <laughs> would you pick polygamy? Well, um, there, there are several reasons. One is, uh, well, the, the first reason, I guess, is a personal reason. I, I come from um, polygamous ancestors, so uh, obviously I wanted to get a better understanding of it. My great-grandfather had five wives and 30 children, and I come from the fifth wife, uh, 26th child. My, my mother remembered uh, some of uh, her aunts and uncles uh, who had also entered into plural marriage. She was old enough that she remembered them. And uh, the, uh, so there, was, there were very strong feelings regarding that, and not all good feelings either <laughs> uh, in, the, uh, in the family. And I started out just wanting to understand a little bit more where this was coming from. Now, growing up, I knew that Joseph Smith had plural wives. Uh, we... we talked about that. Um, and uh, we talked about other aspects of plural marriage. But I wanted to go a step further and try to understand what life was like. And in the process, uh, I, I um, uh, wrote about it. Uh, and uh, then also for my thesis, when I was at BYU, it was on anti-Mormon pamphleteering in Great Britain mm. uh, during the uh, 1800s. And so obviously, Polygamy came up in my sure. research, and uh, so com- those things combined, I, uh, you know, I decided. Well, why don't we go a step further? And uh, Noel Bringhurst and I, um, uh, who's a friend of mine uh, and a historian, we decided to do the three-volume series, "The Persistence of Polygamy." So I came with a, with a pretty strong background of having researched uh, plural marriage. He actually uh, didn't come with that strong of a background having researched plural marriage. He had uh, done a lot on race and Mormonism and other issues like that, including a really good biography on Brigham Young. But uh, in fact, when when uh, we got started, he commented to that he had never written really on, on, on polygamy yeah. other than uh, during his biography of Brigham Young. And he commented that uh, as far as he knew, he didn't have any polygamous ancestors. 
Since that time, he has found out that he uh, has uh, three polygamous ancestors. <laughs> so it's been a learning experience for him, and it's it's really been a learning experience for both of us as we have um, uh, got uh, really good scholars to to write essays, and we've edited them, and of course have written our own essays. Starting with the first book deals just during the lifetime of Joseph Smith. The second volume is from 1844 to 1890, the first manifesto. And the third volume, which we hope will be out this fall, if not, then early next year, uh, deals with um, from 1890 to the present. And who's putting those out? John Whitmer Books. Okay. So part of the Historical Association. Yes. Well, I... I, I want to. I'm not trying to put you on the spot or anything, but I, I want you to be able to gauge the validity or the the practical application, perhaps, of the following statement: Polygamy is a fulfillment of the promises of the Abrahamic covenant. Interesting. Um, I uh, I don't uh, think it's the complete fulfillment if okay. it means that it has completely uh, ceased. I I am one of those. And we're getting fewer and far, you know, between, I guess. But I am one of those who believes that um, that plural marriage is um, an eternal principle. And uh, is it a manifestation of that covenant? Then? It is indeed a manifestation okay. of the Abrahamic covenant. So I'm sorry if I misunderstood no, no, there. That, no, um, absolutely, and uh, um, it's it even makes reference to that in section 132. But I do believe that it is part um, that it is an eternal principle. Uh, is it is it the complete? Um, is celestial marriage only plural marriage? No, I don't think so. I think that celestial marriage is eternal marriage, and that can be monogamous, or that can be uh, a plurality of wives. And uh, But I do believe that, uh, for example, the sealings that have taken place, you know, with Joseph Smith and his plural wives, and on through the uh, 1800s with various uh, Latter-day Saints, that those are eternal um, ceilings and that they will be together forever. So I do believe that it, that it continues, but it certainly is an aspect of the Abrahamic covenant um, as stated in 132. Well, and is there any value to looking at the idea that because this was never, even when polygamy was openly practiced, it was never a requirement of the membership? Um, you didn't lose your temple recommend right, if, you, right. if you weren't polygamous. No, right? no. And so, obviously, there will be both, at least I believe, there will be both monogamous and uh, um, polygamous uh, marriages in, in the celestial kingdom. Excellent. Well, let's move on to your article now that, that appears in the, in the interpreter. It's, uh, and, and I guess it's clear from our discussion uh, that it, again, deals with polygamy, but it's entitled Separated But Not Divorced, the LDS Church's Uncomfortable Relationship with Its Polygamous Past. Now, you state in the article... Uh, I'm going to quote it. It says, This essay will examine the uncomfortable relationship between the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and its polygamous past and the effect this discomfort has had on its members. I will examine examples of members' expression of discomfort over a polygamous heritage and conclude with suggestions of possible pathways to its reconciliation. End quote. So, that this the purpose of this article is really to not shy away from the fact that it's been a difficult issue right i i 
it may end up being a controversial article. I hope not, but uh, I have. Oh, it's polygamy. It's going to have some. <laughs> okay, con- going to have some controversy. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> I I have dealt with on a personal basis um, a lot of manifested discomfort by Latter Day Saints um, over uh, the Church's polygamous past, and um, it uh, at times has been heartbreaking. As I've, uh, you know, tried to help people deal with uh, w- with polygamy, as when they find out. I remember, and I mentioned this in the article. I remember one lady. Uh, we were riding on a bus, and we had uh, commuting between Provo and Salt Lake, and so day in and day out, uh, we'd be on the bus, and a group of us would visit. And so I remember one time, just in passing, I said something about Joseph Smith's polygamous wives. And she got a very offended look on her face, and she said, he did not have polygamous <laughs> wives. Brigham Young might have done that, but Joseph never would. And I just let it drop. Right, because there was a bomb waiting to go y- off. <laughs> yes. But that really kind of reflects what uh, how a lot of members react when they hear that Joseph Smith had plural wives. And it it's... Um, Which is a strange reaction when you think that they're so comfortable with Brigham. Yes. Like, I, wh- why does that change anything? I've always wondered that. And, and my other uh, comment has always been, uh, you've read 132, right? <laughs> that Joseph received that. Now, do you think he said, okay, everyone else... You you, yeah. you have polygamous wives, but I won't. Uh, yeah. You know, but um, but a lot of people do kind of approach it with that attitude that no, oh, Joseph wouldn't do that. Uh, you know, he's up on a pedestal. He wouldn't have plural wives. He's perfect. And and <laughs> uh, um, you know, they were married. <laughs> I mean, so it isn't like uh, like uh, they you know he had a bunch of mistresses on the side. Although, quite frankly, a lot of people approach it that way because. Plural marriage is so foreign to us now. Uh, we, we, uh, you know, for most of us, it, you know, I guess that there are some who are still living where it was their grandparents. I would say that most, uh, the very few, if any, it would have been their parents who had been polygamous. And so for most of us, it's our great-grandparents or for some, even great-great, you know, great-grandparents who were polygamous. And so we look at that as something very, very foreign, almost um, exotic or bizarre. And so we carry our 21st century uh, biases and worldview into uh, looking at plural marriage. And so most people look at it uh, as something very repugnant. And we forget that these were men and women who were doing all they could to live the Word of God as they understood it, and they sacrificed a lot. So so trying to deal with people like that, trying to help them, I guess that's why I wrote this and why I really uh, have been very straightforward is, you know, we need to come to terms with our polygamous past, accept it, 
not be ashamed of it, and move forward. Well, the church has recently released an article on their Gospel Topics page regarding this issue, and it carries with it that spirit in a way. It does. I was was thrilled to see that article, and, um, you you know, I'm sure that that isn't going to be the only one. You know, it might be the only one addressing plural marriage specifically, but uh, probably not. And 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 um, I think the church uh, realizes that they need to be more straightforward, and and uh, and they are. They're 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 moving in that direction, and I I was just thrilled. I think they've they've done a really good job there. Well, now what I'm still kind of curious: what makes the issue of polygamy? so complex. I mean, there is biblical precedent for it. Right. Um, and and to, to share a quick side story, I do sound at conventions. That's my day job. And I just so happened to work a convention for a church. I, I won't mention who it is. Um, but they have a governing operation where every four years they get people from all over the world who come together and voice their opinion on doctrine and church practices. And one of the issues that came up was uh, an attempt to define marriage between a man and a woman. It was it was meant to be a response to same-sex attraction and same-sex right. marriage and things like that. And in this particular case, the language of their format or whatever they I can't remember the name of it, they said that they supported biblical marriage. And one of the people that got up and voiced their displeasure for it said, "Well, when you say bl- biblical marriage, that could be polygamous marriage. And that it seems to be that other faiths even recognize that their biblical ancestry has you know, ties to very righteous people. Yet for some reason, we see it today, and it's almost a virulent reaction. You just think, oh my gosh, this is so disgusting right. to me. Well, there's a couple of reasons, I think. Um, the, the first reason is... Uh, we, we live in a time where we are very PC. You, we, we want to make sure that everyone is equal, which is good, but that includes uh, the equality of the sexes. And people view uh, polygamy, polygyny, I should say, as uh, being uh, detrimental to to women's uh, uh, well status. anything yeah. women's status women's rights you know and so that's one thing they 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 look at that and they say that's very uh, sexist male chauvinist etc and so forth there's another reason and I think this reason is even more uh, within the LDS Church. I mean, it's across it's across all faiths, but I think the reason why Latter Day Saints kind of react with discomfort regarding plural marriage is no, no matter how we how we paint this, when you think about it, yes, obviously it involves sexuality, and people are very uncomfortable in spite of the fact that we live in an age, a day and age where I mean we are just pounded with uh, sex uh, everywhere we turn. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but they are uncomfortable with the idea that their ancestors, or particularly that these prophets of God, had more than one wife in terms of sexuality. And so 
I understand that discomfort. Uh, I don't know. I've never really been that uncomfortable because I've always approached it, well, they're his wives, right? Yeah, so what's the problem? But there are people who they may not even realize it on the surface, but uh, the, you know, there are always those undertones of, of uh, sexuality. And did Brigham Young really have sex with all of his wives? Well, the answer is no, of course not. Uh, they, That'd be a pretty full calendar. Yeah, well, and, and plural marriage is more than just sexuality. Sure. And that's one thing that we need to that we need to realize and in turn let other people know um you know non-mormons know that it's more than just sexuality. And and Brigham Young is a great example and so is Joseph Smith. He didn't have uh, sexual relations with all of his wives. Uh, they were ceilings. And uh, so well, I, I, I like a statement in your article that really gets to kind of the heart of the scholarship that went into this article. And you say, quote, even one soul lost over the now unpracticed principle of plural marriage is too many. That is true. And it, it's interesting that you say now unpracticed principle. It, would, it, would it be different if it was still practiced today? Oh, good question. Well, um, I think it would be in some ways I don't think that uh, uh, if we were still practicing plural marriage, we would still have plural wives. We would still have um, lots of children, ceilings in the temple, etc. But life and structure of of uh, polygynous families has changed. It has to. Uh, we 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 are no longer an agrarian society, and uh, quite frankly. Uh, Plural marriage fits very well into an agrarian society, but uh, I have friends who are who are fundamentalists. Fundamentalists being people that still practice. Yes, it. I'm sorry. Yes, who uh, who practice plural marriage. I've watched um, how their uh, households are. I've asked questions once uh, with a few of the friends that uh, I feel comfortable enough to ask them something, you know, so personal as, you know, what what is life like? And, um, and there are differences, you know, that's to be expected in a more modern society. But the basics would, I think, still be the same. And uh, obviously we would, as they did back then, look to the prophet to to kind of be our guide as to how we should practice plural marriage, when we should practice plural marriage, and when we should not practice plural marriage. Well, how does a member of the church own this uncomfortable relationship, as you put it, with polygamy without praising it or without demeaning it? At the same yeah. time, how, how do you how can you own it without making commentary on it, one way or the other? Well, I think that we should make commentary. Oh, okay. And I think it should be positive. Does that mean that every plural marriage was positive? Heavens, no. Not even in my own family <laughs> uh, was it uh, always positive. But um, I look to what these men and women did, and most of them. You're always going to have a few bad apples, but most of them were doing what they believed God wanted them to, and not for other ulterior uh, motives. Let me give you two examples, one of where of member discomfort and two uh, of 
how maybe to approach it. Sure. One, um, the, uh, and I mentioned this in my article about uh, some visitors from England. Uh, I'd been asked to show them around. So I showed them uh, the, the library. I showed them the uh, uh, Museum of Church History and Art. And we were getting ready to go over to Temple Square for me to kind of show them around there. And they they hesitantly, almost uh, in, a, in an embarrassed way, asked, um, do you mind talking about polygamy? And I said, <laughs> nope, not at all. And they said, oh. We have some questions, and we spent at least 45 minutes, maybe almost an hour, talking about plural marriage, about the history of it, starting with Joseph Smith and uh, going through to, uh, to the time of the manifesto of what it was like and why they practice it and our beliefs in eternal marriage and eternal families. We got done uh, talking about it, and they thanked me, and they said, every other member of the church that we have asked has um, either been upset or embarrassed and has not wanted to talk about it. I felt bad. I felt, I felt bad for them that they were, you know, put into that uncomfortable situation. And I felt bad for the members because they were put into that uncomfortable situation. Was it uncomfortable because they were undereducated, though? I think that's what a lot of it is. I think they are under undereducated. They don't know the ins and outs of it. They don't know how or why it began. They don't know how many people really practiced it and, um, and um, what they went through. And so, yes, a lot of it is just out of pure ignorance. And so naturally they're uncomfortable and they're kind of on the defensive. Another reason why they're on the defensive is, I mean, let's face it. There are jokes still that go on today about <laughs> yeah. Mormons and polygamy. Oh, the TV shows haven't helped. Or Absolutely, <laughs> right. So let me give you the other example. Okay. Um, I, don't, I don't want to put myself up on a pedestal because maybe it works for me and it won't for others. But whenever I'm asked by non-Mormons about Mormons and polygamy, I say, sure, we practice polygamy. My great-grandfather had five wives and 30 children. I come from the fifth wife, 26 child. And they go, oh, oh my, oh, five wives, 26, 30 children. You know, and they go on and on and on uh, for about two minutes, three at the most. And then it's gone. And then it's gone. And then they'll say that they may ask a few questions about, oh, okay, well, why did you practice it? And do you still practice it? And I always say, no, we don't. Uh, we stopped practicing it officially in 1890. It took a little while to die out, as would be expected. But we don't practice plural marriage anymore. There are those who practice that, but they are not Mormons. I just say it that way. It usually is more than enough for them. And after, <laughs> at the most, 10 minutes of talking about it, we're on to something else. And we, you know, we've moved on. And uh, I, so I have found that the best approach is to, to own it, to own go. it, to be proud of it. And I am. I always tell them, I, I say, I am very proud of my ancestors because they did what they believed God wanted them to do. And it was tough and they uh, suffered persecution for it. I'm proud of them, but we don't practice it anymore. And I always add that. 
ultimately, when you're dealing with this issue, you're still going to have people that are basing their decision in some kind of presentism kind of paradigm where it's gross to me now. So that and that's the only frame of reference that they have. So right. this issue is probably still going to continue. Oh, it will. And, and, and persist for a little bit. But is there is there any one way that maybe to the person that is currently struggling with this issue, is there a piece of advice or maybe even a place that they can look to start their journey in a, in a faithful kind of way? Right. There, there are several places that they can look. Uh, one is Fair Mormon. They have wonderful articles talking about just about Anything you can think of dealing with plural marriage from Joseph Smith, all kinds of different aspects uh, on up. And that is a great place to look. There's also the brand new website by uh, Brian Hales, josephsmithspolygamy.org. And um, there's uh, books, Brian Hales' three-volume work, uh, Joseph Smith's Polygamy. Our books, The Persistence of Polygamy. And um, the uh, so those are those are some uh, good places that they can go, and they can also contact people. Fair Mormon has where they can ask any question, and there are volunteers, in, including myself, who will answer questions dealing with plural marriage. And the the other thing that I would say is, as they if they if they discover Joseph Smith had plural wives. Joseph, some of Joseph Smith's wives were young. Try to remember that this is the 21st century. He lived in the 19th century. Things were different in terms of, of what was the proper age for a young woman to marry. Things were different in terms of a lot of stuff dealing with, you know, God revealing uh, new uh, commandments and now a commandment that we no longer practice uh, in, you know, in the present. Take these things into account, but most importantly, do what, what I have done when I've been troubled over finding something. Yeah, I mean, yes, studying Mormon history has helped my testimony. Has it been a steady climb? No, there have been a couple of times where I've gone, oh, oh my, hmm. <laughs> Now let me think about that. And and I've had to research a little bit more and and do what we are supposed to do, which is we are supposed to think about it. We're supposed to read scriptures. We're supposed to pray, including fasting and praying if we need to. So for people who are troubled by aspects of Joseph Smith's polygamy or Brigham Young's or whomever else, think of the foundations do you have a testimony of the Book of Mormon? Was Joseph Smith a prophet to be able to translate the Book of Mormon? Yes. And then you just kind of build on that. If one thing is true, then the other thing is probably true also. Don't overreact. Slowly study about it. Study it. Talk with those who are more knowledgeable there's no shame in not being knowledgeable on a subject. There are plenty of things I am not knowledgeable about <laughs> in, in the gospel and also in church history. And I, I'll go to those who I know have a better understanding and more knowledge about it. And I'll ask them, I'll say, okay, explain this to me. 
so that I can understand it and, and uh, put it within my framework. And so that's what I would strongly recommend. Don't, don't throw it all out in one fell swoop. You know, think about it, study it, and don't, don't study it by just going to the internet because you're going to find all kinds of stuff and half of it isn't true. Study it by going to the correct sources and above all else, pray about it. Absolutely. Seek learning by study and by faith. Exactly. And this, this issue of polygamy is certainly uh, perhaps more complex than others, even those that have a testimony of Joseph Smith, or Joseph Smith as a prophet, will will come across this information and might might feel like there needs to be a, there's a new hole that needs to be filled. Exactly. And it's your belief and your testimony that it will be filled. I think so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, Craig L. Foster is the writer of the article "Separated but Not Divorced: The LDS Church's Uncomfortable Relationship." with its polygamous past. It is in the uh, Interpreter, a journal of Mormon scripture. It can be found at mormoninterpreter.com. Thank you very much, Craig, for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Articles of Faith with your host, Nick Galetti. This has been a production of Fair Mormon. This and other podcasts are available at fairmormon.org. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of Fair Mormon or The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Please subscribe to our show in iTunes. Questions or comments can be sent to podcast at fairmormon.org. Tune in each Monday for another episode of Articles of Faith. Thank you for listening.